church put your hand up if you can hear me this morning awesome so good to have you with us this morning I'll, I'll start this morning's gathering off uh, with a bit of scripture who loves scripture awesome um, so something God's put on my heart over the last week is Luke 19 1 to 6 from the NLT Bible and it reads this is a story about um, Zacchaeus running up the tree when he says Jesus anyone read that story it's so good, it's so good, and it's a good example of how we should um, be eager for the presence of Jesus, the presence of God. And the word says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. I could just imagine him doing that. Um, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He tried to get a, uh, get a look at Jesus, but unfortunately, he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, he ran ahead, ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Then Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name, Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. So we're in the house of God this morning, and my prayer this morning is that we've got the same excitement that Zacchaeus had when he saw Jesus coming. I, I pray this morning that we would be a people that would run into his presence, and I want to open up this, this area in the middle this morning. If you would like to, as a symbol of your eagerness, your love for Jesus, if you would like to come out of your comfort zone, feel free to do that. 
doesn't have to be right up the front, but come into this middle area and let's praise and worship Jesus this morning together. So won't you stand to your feet and come into the middle, come into the middle. It's gonna hold me back. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. Amazing love, how can it be? Cause you gave everything for me. You gave everything for me, everything. Won't you come out of your seats? Come into the middle. You wash my sin, but shame away. This lady is clean, a brand new day. I'm free now forever. Approach your throne to claim this crown through Christ my own. Yours now forever. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's holding us back this morning, Jesus. Nothing's gonna hold me back. My chains fell off.
everything for me. You gave everything for me. Everything. Oh, you gave everything, Jesus. Oh, let's sing. You gave everything. Chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. Amazing love. Amazing love, how can it be? You gave everything for me. You gave everything for me. Everything. Thank you, Lord. You gave everything for me. Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise in this place this morning. Thank you, Lord. We're eager for your presence this, in this place, Lord. What a beautiful song reminds me of what Paul said in Galatians 2. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ who lives in me. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Christ lives within each one of us. And his life and his joy flows out. Awesome. Why don't you take a seat, give your neighbor a high five, say hello. Great to see you this morning. We give you a really warm welcome to church. It's really, really good. You're welcome, Wayne. And if this is your first or second time to activate, a special welcome to you. And as you leave the auditorium, you will be able to collect a visitor's pack. In that pack is a coffee card, and we invite you to stay and hang around and have a coffee in the Crossover Cafe and meet new people. We'd love to meet you too, so that's awesome. So church, can we put our hands together to greet our visitors this morning? Wonderful. Who's had a birthday or a wedding anniversary over the last week? Any birthdays, any wedding anniversaries? Why don't you join me in the front here? You can help yourself to some chocolate. Wow, congratulations, Anna and Tina. Wow. Yeah. So how many years? 24. Wow, that's great. So no other birthday, no birthdays, no other anniversaries? Well, you're in the special couple today. Isn't that amazing? Church, why don't we stand to our feet and declare this prayer of blessing? And I'm going to ask Pastor Rex if he would like to come and pray this over uh, Alan and Tina. Thank you. No, everybody, but we'll say it with you. All right. All right. All together. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favor, prosperity, and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Rick. That's wonderful. Well, this morning, Pastor Jen, uh, Jan, Jen, Jan <laughs> is in Tokoroa. She's ministering there at Activate Tokoroa, so she will be having an amazing time. And she will be with us this evening at the 6 p.m. gathering. So that's wonderful. This uh, Next Sunday, the 27th, 
just remember that one, the 27th. We don't have a 9 a.m. We don't have a 10.30. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have a 10 a.m. only in the morning. So from the 27th on over summer, it's only 10 a.m. morning gatherings. So this uh, this evening and next week, we have uh, a 6 p.m. evening gathering. And at tonight's evening gathering, we're having a barbecue afterwards. So that's good. So who enjoys a good barbie? Yeah, so come on and be part of that. It'll be fantastic. So uh, can I encourage you also to RSVP for the volunteers lunch? That is next Sunday after the 10 a.m. gathering. For anyone who served in any capacity in the life of the church over the last 12 months, we want to celebrate and honor one another and thank you for your wonderful contribution. That will be fantastic. And next Sunday in both gatherings, the 10 a.m. and the 6 p.m., we have Pastor Graham Lauritsen from Australia will be ministering. Uh, he is a very experienced uh, pastor, uh, evangelist, and you're going to be in for a real treat with him. So that's wonderful. And as I've mentioned, this evening, the 6 p.m. gathering is in the youth hall, followed by a barbecue. So it's lots of fun. Well, there we go. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Amy to come, and she's going to share communion with us. So thank you so much, Amy. Let's give her a hand as she comes. On the surface of it, communion is just an ordinary act of drinking some grape juice and eating a cracker. Out of context, it could be a snack, but within the church, it is seen as spiritual food. It is one of the things that remains constant in an ever-changing world. So it begs the question, what relevance does communion have to us today? Why do I, as a 17-year-old, partake in a ritual that originated 2,000 years ago, with its roots stemming even beyond that to the Passover in the Old Testament? My immediate response to this question was, of course, yes, it is still relevant. But it took me longer to put words to the reasons why. I guess because it is something so familiar and personal that I have never really translated thoughts into speech before. For me, the primary reason why it is important is that it is an act of remembrance. Communion is a way to stop and reflect upon the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Although we can remember without the physical act of eating and drinking, the elements act as symbols to trigger the thought process. It is an overt act that identifies me as a believer, like worship, prayer, or serving others in the community. Communion is special because we often take it in a crowd, yet it is a very personal moment. I have had many different experiences of communion, from taking it regularly in church on Sundays, to being among thousands in a packed Mystery Creek auditorium at Easter camp, to a more structured Eucharist liturgy at my Anglican school. This has shown me that it does not matter what form communion takes, that it is the act of simply stopping and being in the presence of God that is important. One of my most interesting experiences of communion was in a small church in Costa Rica on a school trip. We had spent the past week painting their local Sunday school building and being shown around by the locals. On New Year's Eve, we attended a five-hour church service, which was entirely in Spanish, ending at midnight with a shared meal. The only words I could understand throughout the whole thing were gracias, senor, or thank you, lord, but that did not mean it was any less meaningful to me. Despite language barriers, as Christians, we were able to come together to worship, share a meal, and spend time in God's presence. 
It was the act of individual reflection and honouring God that was important. I also learnt that you can rely on a congregation to know the words to Amazing Grace, no matter where you are in the world. So why is communion still relevant to you? I've learnt that it's not about form, it's about pausing and reflecting. Communion is something that brings us together as believers and enables us to communicate with God. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that we're able to come together as a church family and celebrate um, communion together. I thank you that we can remember the sacrifice that you've made for us and I thank you for the enormity of that act. And I pray that you'd bless everyone in the church family as they take this meal together and as we remember you. Amen. I would invite you to take the bread and juice in your own time. Father, thank you for those wonderful thoughts that, Lord, as we reflect and we remember the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for each one of us. Father, we thank you that, Lord, for those that are are suffering right now and, Lord, after the events of the quake that happened, uh, what, about a week ago, we pray through your Spirit that you would comfort every person and every family, Lord. Those that are feeling dislocated and lost and trying to work out how God fits into their world. Father, may they feel your love. May they feel the love of other people, Lord. May your church rise up and be Jesus with arms and legs, touching and helping, encouraging and strengthening. Father, we pray that you would be with them and that, Lord, the recovery would, Lord, be speedy and that, Lord, things can get back to a normalcy as quickly as possible. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the resources that can come alongside and help in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Great. Well, it's my pleasure to invite Tina to read Psalm 63. Psalm 63. A psalm of David regarding a time when David was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better to me than life itself. How I praise you. I will honour you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest of foods. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night. I think 
how much you have helped me. I sing for joy in the shadow of your protecting wings. I follow close behind you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those who are plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who trust in him will praise him, while liars will be silenced. Stand to your feet as we continue to worship. Such a beautiful God. I love that that picture of lying awake, thinking of you all night, Lord. And I get the I just can't help but get a picture that God does exactly the same thing for his children. You know, he's happy to see us here this morning. And he welcomes us into his presence. And that can be overwhelming for some. I know when I'm in the presence of God, I get emotional. And I, I just know He's here and I just can't help but see that image that He lies awake thinking of us. That He desires relationship with us and He's happy that His children are here this morning. So, Yes, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Lost in you, lost in you, I'm overwhelmed, face down in awe, so overwhelmed, how beautiful, how beautiful you are. I'm living. To ever know your grace and your mercy overflow, how beautiful. 
Appreciate your presence this morning amongst us. Thank you for your presence amongst us. Thank you that you've made yourself known to us. And that you know us. environment can we all spend a few a minute whatever praying for the people down south Kaikura and Wairau I think Wairau I think it's called let's just lift our voices to Jesus 
Father, we pray that you would comfort them in this incredibly difficult time. Our country's been shaken yet again. Father, those particularly who have lost loved ones, be their comfort in a very difficult time. Father, those who are struggling with incredible loss of homes or businesses or whatever it may be, again, we ask that you would comfort them in Jesus' name. Lord, that it be an opportunity for people to glance your way, as difficult as it is. We thank you. Thank you that you love this nation. Thank you that you love the people of this nation. We bless them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tough week for New Zealand, eh? Big week for New Zealand. The, uh, you know it's a big earthquake when your house in Hamilton's rattling and we've got no fault lines here. So, yeah, we bless those people, don't we? It's tough, man, it's tough. Tough for them, very tough for them. Well, there's a couple of things I want to um, just remind you of very quickly as I get going. The first one is, uh, if you've sown into our vision offering, thank you very much. We're up to 22,000 so far. That's a great, great start. Fantastic start. And I encourage you, if you haven't sown in there yet, please do. Uh, as I've said on many occasions, what we're looking for is your involvement. You might be sitting there going, man, it's the wrong time of the year to be uh, giving an offering. Um, just get involved with it. You know, it's not about how much, it's get involved with it. It's planting a seed is what it's all about. And um, I've got to say, I'm going to miss the 9am over the next month or two. We will do our absolute best to make sure that the 10 is a good combination of the 9 and the 10, and that you don't get blown out of the building and all that kind of stuff. Um, we'll do our best to make sure that happens, and if it doesn't happen, well, I will have tried. Um, but we've got a whole lot of special things happening over the next few weeks. So um, we've got Graham uh, Lawrenson with us next week, which will be fantastic. The week after that, I think the kids are leading the morning. Uh, the week after that, we've got the pantomime for Christmas. And um, they're doing their, a sneak preview. on the that, That's the 11th of December, the week after that. And then before you know it, it's Christmas. So it'll be amazing. And then we'll be back together again at 9 before you know it. So that'll be good. Well, this morning I want to talk about the goodness of God. The goodness. Goodness is on our wall. Nearly the last two years, goodness has been our theme. Everything we've done has flown out of the thoughts of the goodness of God wherever, whenever. You, you can do better than that. Wherever, whenever, flows out of the goodness of God. That's where that saying flows from. It flows from the thought that God is a good God. God is good. It's not just a thought, it's the truth. God is a good God, and out of a good God flows goodness. That makes sense, doesn't it? That's right. So this is a really, really easy subject to talk about this morning. Very easy, because here we are in a nice church building, and we've just uh, been standing before with our hearts open before our loving Father. Amy has just done a wonderful job leading us around communion. 
And so to talk about the goodness of God this morning is just natural. It's very easy. God is good. Amen? That's right. God is good. But, but, what if you live in Kaikoura this week? What if you live in Kaikoura this week? Is God still good? Is he? Because I've had a pretty rough time down there. What about if you've just received some really bad news this week? Some terrible news that has absolutely shaken and rocked your world. Is God still good? Yeah? You sure? What about if you've been the victim of crime or abuse or injustice this week or you're wrapped up in the middle of it right at the moment and you've been taunted by things. Is God still a good God? Well, then where is he? Are you sure he's good? What makes you answer the way you did? Because most of you are saying yes, but you don't have to just because you're in church. If you say no, I don't think a lightning bolt's coming. I'll say it carefully, I might be the first one. <laughs> a little pile of dust left on the floor. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Why do you answer the question the way you answer it? Faith. Faith. I think a great challenge for all of us is the tensions that we come across in our journey of faith. It's a great challenge for all of us to outwalk outwork attention with faith because sometimes the truth that I understand and what I'm experiencing in my daily life just do not match. They do not add up. And to walk and continue walking in faith and in confidence that God is who he says he is. When my world is falling around, apart around me, when things are just not shaping up like I thought they should, or I've received some bad news, or whatever the case is, takes an incredible amount of faith. But it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change who he is. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I come that you'd have life and life in all its fullness, Jesus says. But the devil's going to have a good crack at it if he can. And if he can throw shadow on who God is, who we, on who we perceive God to be, that we fall apart in the wrestle. He will do everything he can to do that. Goodness, God is good. His attributes are good. His attribute, one of his attributes is, is goodness. And when we put all of his attributes together, we call them good. God is good. As a disciple of Jesus, this is very, very easy to believe when everything is going well. So easy to believe on a good day. But what about my friend Paul? Paul was a fellow elder with me in Christchurch. Paul was a great man. Malaysian, great man, lovely family. Paul goes to work like any other day to the CTV building in Christchurch. There's an incredible earthquake. The building falls down. Paul is killed. God's still good? 
little bit more challenging, isn't it, to clear, clear God's goodness so when we're in the middle of adversity, when we're suffering, when things aren't going like we think they should. And no doubt you all have your own stories that would seem to contradict when your loved ones are hurting or suffering or you're experiencing something that's just contrary to the declared truth of who God is, but the question is, is God still good? What about Tessa in Ethiopia? They forced my hands under my knees and tied them there. Then they put a stick through these ropes and hung me upside down. They filled my mouth with dirty rags. I almost suffocated. They beat me, breaking my bones. Great pieces of skin hung off my body. Then they freed me from the bonds and they forced me to run, o- uh, to run with bleeding feet over a path of sharp stones. Next they put me in a small cell containing 62 people. There was only room to stand. Stand on what? On bleeding feet? On broken bones? The cell was completely dark and there was no air. Don't ask how pris- prisoners fulfilled their bodily needs. There was only one hole serving as a toilet, but no one could get to it. All had to stand pressed against each other to give a, a few the opportunity to sleep for a bit, lying on one side because there was limited space. No turning was possible. Her cuts bled, but there was no medicine. Tessa could not even hold a cup, so others had to help her drink. Tessa was tortured by the, tortured by the Ethiopian communists for her faith in Jesus Christ. She stayed in that cell for over a year, spending a total of 10 years in jail. As a result of spending such a long time in darkness, she has not regained full vision. As they tortured her, the Ethiopian communists would mock, where is your loving Jesus now? Is God still good? This is one of his little girls. Is God still good? How do, you, how do you carry the tension? How do you carry the tension? When you look around or when you're in the middle of circumstances and they're just not good. They're just not good. It doesn't matter which way you paint them. You can put your hypo-faith hat on and your beaming smile to cover the pain, to cover the but the circumstances aren't good, yet we worship a good God. I suspect there's people in Kaikoura today who have spent most of their lives praising a good, good God, and today when they sit back, they're going, oh my God, what happened? What happened? Is God still good in it all? I may not answer the question, I'm just asking it. As I said, it's easy to be good when it's smooth sailing. But what about when sickness, tragedy, bereavement, disaster, earthquakes, financial loss, kids walking away from faith, crime, injustice, poverty, torture, etc. come our way? And you thought you were coming to church to get a smile put on your face. What about that? Psalm says this. Psalm 34 says this. This is David. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. 
Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Then uh, those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life? That is long and prosperous. Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for a peace, search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the face of the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely overtake the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. It's a beautiful psalm. And it's written by David. It's written when it's about a time when David was pretending to be insane before Abimelech. In other words, David writes a psalm this beautiful psalm about an incredibly difficult time in his life. I, I don't care which way you read the circumstances of David's life, he must have struggled. He must have said, what the heck is going on here? God, where are you in this? Where are you in any of this? How can you be in these circumstances? Yet when he stops and he reflects, praise comes straight off his lips. Straight away, praise off his lips. I love the way that psalm starts. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Yet he must have been struggling along the way. One of the, my favorite verses in here where I think we really see something of the goodness of God expressed is in verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I like it because taste and see is about experience. It's about experience. We're invited to experience God. The Lord is good. It's a, it's a statement. It's an attribute of who he is. It's beautiful. Taste and see that this attribute is right. Now, experience is important, of course, with God. It's very, very important, but our experience is also subjective. I experience God differently than you experience God. So my, my experience of God isn't um, to be the, the mark of absolute truth. 
it is subjective. It is the way I experience God. It's the way I taste and see God. But what's the Bible say? As um, Christians, we've already established the fact, and I haven't got time to do it today, that the Bible is the Word of God. It's the living Word of God. It is the truth. It's where we learn most about the character of God and our knowledge about God uh, comes from the Bible. So we go to the Bible. Mark chapter 10 says this, verse 18, Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. It's a statement of Jesus. Only God is truly good. Start to get some lines of truth. Matthew 19, 17. Why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. Again, Jesus' word. Only one who is good. Psalms 119, 68 says, you are good and do only good. 1 Chronicles 16, 34 says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. James 1, 17 says, whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Hebrews 9.11 So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. And I could go on and on and on through the scriptures where, the, where God is declared good. Where God is declared good. I love Exodus 34, it's one of my favorite. Verse 6, the Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger, and I am filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. But I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon the children and the grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations. I love the first part there because it's stating the attributes of God. You put those all together and we describe them as good. Compassion, mercy, slow to anger, unfailing love, faithfulness. I lavish a thousand uh, love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. And even the last part, if you uh, look at it in the context of the culture of the day, is good. He only, he only lets the sin of the fathers rest for three or four generations. That wasn't the normal thinking of the day. Thought that that would go on forever. Even that in the context, you look at it and you go, my goodness, he's good. Goodness flows from a good God. That's how it works. Good fruit comes from a good tree. Goodness flows from God. Genesis chapter 1. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. Genesis 1.10. God called the dry land, uh, dry ground land, and the waters cease. And God saw that it was great. In Genesis 1.12. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees and seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw it, and it was good. And it was good, and it was good, and it was good, because good things flow from a good God. He is good, therefore what flows from him is a reflection of his nature. It is good. So, God is good. God is good. It's an established truth. God is good. God cannot be separated from good, because it is who he is. It's just... 
He is good, just like he is love. He is good. Therefore, I join the dots, and our lives should reflect something of the goodness of God because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. If God is in us, the outworking of that should be, I'll give you a clue, it's on the wall, goodness. It should become a natural outflowing from our lives by the very fact that God lives in us. Psalm 16 says, I said to the Lord, you are my master. Every good thing I have comes from you. Every good thing I have comes from you. Where this causes a difficulty is that for most generations alive today, we tend to judge or base the goodness of God on our feelings, on how we feel about something. Whether we feel it's good or not determines whether it's good or not, which is at very best an incredibly dangerous way to live life. Now, if it feels good, it must be good. So drugs. The whole point of drugs, they don't say it puts you on a high for no reason. Drugs make you feel good for a time, a little time. But does that mean they're good? No, but they may make you feel good for a little time. But where does that lead? So it's a subjective good, isn't it? It's a, it's a, they say it may make you feel good for a moment. But it's only going to lead to distraction long term. Drugs are not good. Get it really clear. Drugs are not good. Drugs will wreck your life. Despite perhaps inducing a feeling of well-being temporarily. What about casual sex and affairs? Might make you feel good for a moment. May not too. The long-term fruit of those lifestyles is very, very unhealthy. Very unhealthy. So again, if you based it on feeling, you might go, oh, it's okay. But it's not based on feeling. Feeling is subjective. God is good is a statement of truth, not a statement of subjective feelings. Otherwise, we could paint it any way we want. The biblical standard for true goodness is revealed in Galatians chapter 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Where have these traits come from? Well, they come from God because they're fruits of the Spirit. They come from good. They are goodness expressed. That's what they are. So if God is good, why does bad stuff happen? Yeah, that's one of the big questions in the universe, isn't it? If God is good, why does bad stuff happen? You want me to answer that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it's above my pay grade. But I'll answer the question with a question. I'll answer the question with a question. If God did not exist, would bad stuff still happen? Yeah, don't overthink it, Nori. If God did not exist, would bad stuff still happen? Of course it would. Why, would natural disasters still happen? Of 
course they would. The planet is moving. It's kind of alive. There's, you know, tectonic plates and there's weather systems and every other thing. And when they kind of bump up against each other, we get natural disasters. Of course that would still happen. Is God making them happen? don't think so. Just part of the planet he's created and the way it works. What about crime and wars and injustice, etc.? Would it still happen if God didn't exist? Of course it would. Of course it would, because those things are all about the inhumanity one to another. That's caused by people, all of that stuff. The Bible tells us that God is the source of all good things, James. All good things. God does not withhold anything truly good from his children, it tells us in Psalms 84. Even salvation, even our eternal destiny is based on the goodness of God, one, that he's made that available, and two, how we respond to the goodness of God, which secures that for us. That's whether we accept the gift of Jesus Christ or not. Titus chapter 3 says this, But when God our Saviour revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. If you put all of that together, what's it saying? It's saying that he poured out his goodness on us. And we get to choose whether we accept that or not. I guess a very valid question right now is, have you received that, and will you receive that? Have you and will you? Let's jump back to the psalm I read of David just for a moment. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We taste and see, you, you read the verse, taste and see that the Lord is good. In verse 4, 10, and 15, and others, <clears throat> we see that in three ways. David tasted deliverance, he tasted provision, and he tasted being heard. Which are interesting because to taste deliverance, first you've got to be stuck or trapped. To taste provision, you must be in need. And to taste um, being heard would suggest that you're being not heard or exploited. So experiencing the goodness of God is incredibly important. However, it's not something that takes place on mountaintops all the time. In fact, you read through the Psalms often, taste and see that the Lord is good happen in the lowest of lowest valleys. When things were really tough. And can I encourage you this morning, if you're in a tough place in life, if circumstances aren't like you would like to them, if you're struggling if you're struggling with bad news, if you're struggling with health, relationships, or anything else, a valley does not indicate a lack of God's goodness. Nor does it indicate a lack of God's presence. A valley is a valley. 
And it's oftentimes where God meets us is in the valley. It's oftentimes we cry out most and we experience his goodness is when we're in the valley. And it's so, so easy when you're there to either tune out or for some well-wishing person to come and say something that would indicate that the goodness of God isn't at work and the presence of God is no longer with you. And both of those things are false. Because that's where God gets hold of us often, is in the valley. And that is where the goodness flows. Rivers don't flow on mountaintops. Rivers flow in valleys where it's tough, where things aren't necessarily going like we wanted them to go, where we've got more questions than answers, where just getting through the day might be a real win. God's there. So can we settle the question this morning that God is good? The answer is yes. God is good. Full stop. God is good. Despite what I might be experiencing at the moment, God is good. Is that all right? You can work with that? Yeah? One or two of you can. The rest of you are trying to work it out. It's good. If nothing else, I'm giving you some good stuff here to go and do a study during the week. God is good. He is good. He is good for me now. He is good for me eternally. And I often remind myself, I'm looking at situations, I'm dealing something, and I just say, oh, hang on a minute. God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. I've got a very limited, very narrow, very subjective perspective. God doesn't have any of that. He sees the big picture. He's not bound by time. My God is a good God. Whether I feel it or not right now, my God is a good God. Psalm 34, 22, But the Lord will redeem those who serve him. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. So my response to his goodness like David, I hope, praise and worship. Praise and worship. You see David again and again, especially when he goes, um, I will praise the Lord. I tell my soul, I will praise the Lord on the days when I'm not feeling good. But praise and worship brings us into that space of recognizing the goodness of God. And I think, you know, as a, as a group of passionate disciples of Christ, we should never, ever have to be coached into worship. We should never, ever have to be coached into praise. It should be our natural response to a good God despite how we're feeling because God is good all the time. Father, I thank you that you are good. Lord, I know we wrestle with things, that our feelings tell us stuff and we believe them. But truth is truth. You are good. And we declare that this morning. You are good. You are good all the time. You are good. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rest on every person in this place this morning and 
particularly those who are struggling. Whatever the issues are, those who are struggling, those who are struggling to see the good in their situation. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would comfort them. That you would release peace this morning in Jesus' name. That even in this moment, you would be incredibly close. And that you'd revitalize and you'd re-strengthen energize that we go again and again and Lord that we would taste and see your goodness in Jesus name that there would be a deep conviction of the truth amongst every one of us that God is good and give each one of us the grace to manage what's happening in our world, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give Pastor Sheridan a hand. That was good, eh? I said to Sheridan um, before the gathering started, this morning I got a little prompt. I, I didn't want to make my bed this morning. Didn't want to make the bed. Whoever feels like that, you get up and you just <laughs> don't want to make the bed. But this is what I like to do. I like to make it so when Wendy walks in, she goes, wow, look at that. So I've got that wrestle. And I just felt this little nudge. You should make your bed. And I don't want to make my bed. You should make, I don't want to make my bed. This is going on my head. So I begin to make my bed. And I felt the Lord say to me, I've got good ideas, Ray. I got good ideas because good ideas come from me. And it was sort of humorous. God, that's right. Good ideas do come from you because you're good. And so right where we are, can I ask you to close your eyes and open your hands to heaven? Father, we thank you that good ideas come from you. You're a good God. And Father, as our hands are open and our hearts Lord, are open to you. I pray, Father, right now, good ideas would fall into our laps, Lord. Ideas that come from you, the Father of light, who there's no shadow of turning. Lord, I pray for great innovative ideas at our workplace, in our relationships, Lord, at home, uh, wherever we are, Lord. That Father, there would be a light bulb that would go on right now And Lord, we would be surprised by the goodness of God that would be pouring into our lives. Father, I pray that you would give us special vision, even in the difficult challenges, to see you. Lord, it's so easy to see the, the challenges, but you would give us a glimpse to see you at work in spite of them. Because you're a good God, and you cause all things to work together for good. In Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Cool. Just a few things to bring to your attention. Uh, If you're a guest, we invite you to take a guest pack. Uh, There's a coffee card 
Stay over and enjoy a coffee at the Crossover Cafe. We'd love to see you. If you're new to Activate Church, if you've been here the last sort of three to six months and are still becoming familiar with things but would like to learn a bit more, after the 10.30 gathering, we're holding Activate DNA. It's going to be really good. It's, it's going to be really, really great. Nori's going to be there. There's some great food. I'm going to be there. And uh, so if you're new and you want to learn about what the ministries and the mission of Activate, come along. Our mission is not only in this city, but it's cities around the world. So it's, it's a wonderful time to learn about that. If you have children, they'll be waiting for you. Who enjoys the take-home questions? They're good. Okay. Do you want to hear what it is for this week? Okay. You have to wait till I get my glasses on. Here it is. <clears throat> What's your favorite Bible story and why? What is your favorite Bible story and why? Okay. And finally, thank you for being purposed in your giving. Uh, you can give in the, um, the giving stations in both foyers, and we do thank you and appreciate what you're sowing into the kingdom of God in this place. Amen. Well, <clears throat> who's going to look forward to some nice coffee? Yeah, sounds good. Remember next Sunday, 10 a.m., 6 p.m. in the youth hall, barbecue following the gathering. God bless and have an awesome rest of the day. Great seeing you. Thank you.